And if you have your Bibles with you, you can turn to the New Testament book of Acts, chapter 14 and into 15. Once again, we just want to welcome everyone here this morning. My name is Joe Crummy, one of the elders here at the Meeting Place Church. And it's great to have you here and hope that you've been uh, impacted already. And we're going to open up God's Word now. And we've been doing a series in the book of Acts about the early church and about the early followers of Jesus Christ. And so we're going to continue with that. And uh, we want to welcome, I think Carly might be here for the first time, for Airman Page. We want to welcome baby Carly. And uh, congrats once again, guys. Wonderful. So we'll get a little plug in there for Carly. All right, and this morning we're going to pick up from last week. And last week we were taking a look at what it was to be a disciple, a follower of Jesus Christ. And again, the context of the book of Acts, as we kind of hone in on some specific things, we don't want to miss the context for it. And so we've seen all the way in the book of Acts, we're talking about the Acts of the Holy Spirit, Acts of the early disciples, and how Jesus came. And we saw all the way through, and we've been singing, talking about it here this morning. He came as God, fully God, fully man, born of a virgin, everything we celebrate at Christmas, the reason being leading to Easter, and how we had to deal with sin and penalties and getting us right with God and dealing with God's wrath, and he was the penalty and the substitute, and how because of all that, we can have a relationship with God, that God raised him from the dead, and how Jesus gathered those around him. He said, wait till the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and then he says this, after you wait and you receive, then go, and he tells them to go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of of the earth. And that's what we've been seeing as we look through the book of Acts. We see how they started in Jerusalem, and then it be, the message of the gospel, this good news about Jesus spreads, and we see followers of Jesus begin, and then persecution breaks out, and they go to Samaria, and then we've seen they've gone to Antioch, and they've established churches all along the way, these community of believers. And then we pick up the story as Paul and Barnabas are sent from Antioch into these different towns and villages into Asia Minor, and they preach about Jesus. Their signs and wonders confirm the gospel. People believe, and they gather communities together. This is really important, because that's the context for what we're going to talk about. And last week, we really talked about the cost of following Jesus. As we're going to read again, Paul said to the disciples, okay, after he was almost killed, he said, you know what, you're going to have to go through many tribulations, many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. And how we kind of, last week, we're trying to shatter sort of our North American, sometimes, viewpoint of Christianity, that if we follow Jesus, we're going to be rich, healthy, and all these other things are going to follow. And we're kind of shattering that to say, actually, following Jesus is going to bring you lots of hardship. So we've got to tell you the honest truth. If you aren't a follower of Jesus yet, then we just got to tell you up front, if you become a follower of Jesus, war breaks out, spiritually speaking. So we've got to tell you that up front. Okay, So it's not just a club you join. Okay, Christianity, if you're a follower of Jesus, affects your whole life, every aspect of it. And that's what we were trying to drive home last week. It affects what we believe, our values, our priorities, our money, our view of the past, present, and future. I say all of that because we can lose that in the context of the book of Acts. And so what we're going to look at this morning, as radical as it is to follow Jesus last week, when we looked at part of following Jesus is this. Prior to following Jesus, is this right here. It's being connected in local church. And again, in North America, man, we've gone wacky on this one. Okay, so let's take a look at the scripture, and we're going to try to bring some teaching 
And I'm going to have to shorten it because our time's going, but you'll get the gist of it, hopefully. And it says this, Paul and Barnabas, when they preached the gospel to that city, they were in Derby and had made many disciples. They returned to Lystra and Iconium and to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith and saying that through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. And when they had appointed elders for them in every church with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. Then they passed through Pisidia and they came to Pamphylia. And when they had spoken the word, in Perga, they went down to Italia, and from there they sailed to Antioch, where they had been commended to the grace of God for the work that they had fulfilled. And then they returned home to Antioch. And when they arrived, they gathered the church together. They declared all that God had done with them, how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles, and they remained no little time with the disciples. And then we begin Acts 15. But some men came down from Judea and were teaching their brothers, unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. So some people are coming, and they were promoting everything back in the Old Testament and neglecting what Jesus had done. And after Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and debate with them, Paul and Barnabas and some of the others were appointed to go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and the elders about this question. And so being sent on their way by the church, they passed through both Phoenicia and Samaria, describing in detail the conversion of the Gentiles and brought great joy to all the brothers. When they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church and the apostles and the elders and declared all that God had done with them. So folks, as you go through Acts, you can't get away from things like disciples, church, elders, apostles. Okay, So just in Luke uses, I think it's 30 times just in the book of Acts. So in 28 chapters, he uses the word 30 times, the word apostle, which we don't really, at least in my background, never used. Okay, So it's really, we've got to understand local church life, and depending upon your background, okay, how church is structured, how church functions, all of that is really, really important. And it could be really, really different from what we read here. And it could be really, really different from how we are being and doing things here at the meeting place. So in North America, this is what we find a lot of times. Okay? We find people, it seems, who are really radical followers of Jesus, find the church really boring. So they leave the church and go and do something on their own. And then churches are left as church kind of in maintenance mode and they don't do any mission. So we have people outside of the church doing stuff and we have the church not really doing anything. And that becomes the norm. And so if you really want to do something for Jesus, you go do something with parachurch or some missions thing, which is really more exciting, and the church is sort of stuck. Okay? And if you read the New Testament, it's not supposed to be like that. So folks, what we're going to talk about over the next, well, over the next couple of months, okay, it's really radical. Now, it shouldn't be because it's the norm here, but it's radical for our day and our time. And so for those of you new to our church and maybe come in, this is really important that you understand why we do the things that we do out of what we believe. So quickly, we're going to take a look at this. First thing we read is, okay, and when they appointed elders for them in every church with prayer and fast, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. So we've got to learn about elders. most important thing is this. Jesus is the lead elder. Jesus is the ultimate elder. Jesus is the senior pastor. Okay? So we've got to get that really hammered home before we talk about anything else. Folks, we follow Jesus. He puts us together in community, in a church. It's his church. Okay? 
we get really religious and we fight and squabble over all our things. We've got to establish right at the very beginning. It's his church. Jesus is the head. So you can read it in Colossians. Paul says Jesus is the head over everything in the church. He's the founder. Peter says he's the chief cornerstone. Everything is built on him. He's also the capstone that holds everything together. We can go through. Jesus built is building his ch- church. He's the great teacher. He's the good shepherd. Okay, Hebrews 12, he's the one who disciplines us because he loves us. And Jesus is the one who appoints people to serve him in leadership. So we've got to get that very first key thing. Everything flows from there. If we don't get that part, everything I'm about to say falls apart. Okay? Jesus is the senior pastor of the church. He's the lead elder. It's his church. We have to get that established right from the beginning. Okay? And he's the one we model. He is everything. Everything is from him and through him and for him. Okay? From there, we see that Paul and Barnabas, who were sent, we're going to get to apostles here in a minute, so I didn't know which one to do first, so we're going to stick with elders, then we'll go to apostles, but you can see we could have done it either way. And Luke even uses in the book of Acts sort of three different words, and you can see in your Bible it might be a little asterisk there, and you'll go down and they might use a different word, but they all sort of mean similar things. It can be, in your translation, maybe elder or overseer or shepherd, pastor. They're all very helpful in describing who is overseeing, who is shepherding, who's pastoring, who is eldering the church. And we see that Paul and Barnabas, we'll come back to it in a minute, they're the ones who appoint it. My key point is this. Okay? We get away from, when you see here, democratic voting system. So this is a big radical because I came from a Baptist church and a Baptist background. We're voting with everything. So this is like angels fear to tread uh, sort of thing. And I came to the conclusion after many, many years of just realizing this can't be it. I'm not trashing the Baptists. They have a reason for what they're doing. And it sort of brings a bit of a remedy to other heirs that can come from top-heavy leadership. So you can understand more. But Bible... Apostles went and with churches, they appointed elders to oversee the church. Okay? My main point is how we do things is radically different from Catholic, Anglican, Baptist, whatever other background might be. We do things a lot different. So you just got to understand that because you're going to bring, depending upon your background, if you don't know anything, you're probably in some ways better off. Okay? You can start with a clean slate. You just read the Bible and that's what we're trying to follow. And how people got other things, I don't understand all of church history to understand how we got to some of the things we did. Plain and simple, you're on a desert island with a bunch of people, you got the Bible, just read it and try to see how it goes, okay? God gives gifts to his church. Apostles we're going to get to. Elders are this. And this is a whole other teaching, so I'm just going to pass over it. We'll come back to it a couple, probably months down the road. But they're called, first of all, and we see Paul writes other places, character is number one thing, okay? You've got to be able, and if you're reading Titus and 1 and 1 Timothy 3, everything, character comes first. You've got to model yourself after Jesus, the lead elder. And folks, every one of us can do this, okay? And th- this is another sort of tension in North America. The tension is this. We sometimes have the pastors do everything. So they're the paid ones. They do everything and the rest of us don't do anything. That's one extreme. The other extreme is this. 
Okay? That there's no leadership at all. That we're all equal and that we all can get along and that there's no appointed leaders and that we'll all just kind of find our way. Both are... Okay? The pastor's doing everything and no leadership are both... But we, not, we don't read that in the New Testament. Okay? We read this. Elders help oversee the church and apostles, as we're going to see, help come along to equip the church so that everybody gets to do everything. And there's a few defined things that are for leadership that brings help and safety and security that we're going to see. So character is really important, and we say it all the time. You've got to learn to lead yourself first, and no matter what situation we're in, that's the biggest thing. You can all do that. We're called to lead ourselves first. So it doesn't matter who you are. Learn to lead yourself. Trust me. That'll be the biggest battle. Okay? I try to lead a lot of people. Who do I battle with the most? I'm trying to lead myself. That's the biggest battle. Okay, you guys seem easy after trying to deal with me. Okay? And then we learn how to lead our families. And from leading our families, we learn how to lead the church. Okay? So we're going to get into some gender things, which we don't have time to get into all the things. And as you guys know, we've been working on this for a long time. But it's a whole other teaching, which we'll get to another time. So just, sorry, I can't get into it all today. But men are called as elders. Character, leading your family, then it enables you to be qualified to then lead the church. And we'll get into Trinity and Godhead and equality, but different roles. And before Adam and Eve sinned, and all the things we've got to get into to understand male and women, female roles, which we don't have time to today. So... You're going to have to trust me on this one. We'll come back to that one another time. But all I'm saying today is, okay, for the Meeting Place Church, elders, Gary, Kevin, and I, men, that's Jesus' church. That's how he set it up. That's what we're following, okay? It's radically different from the world. So you got to think about that one. you got to be able to get settled with that one be part of the Meeting Place Church. Okay, That's just where it is. Again, we can go into more detail, but we're trying to follow God's word. We understand okay, past things, men have abused women, all of those things. That's not what we're getting to. But God has called men to lead the church in partnership with women. Okay, We're in this together, but we need to establish that right at the beginning. Character, called, appointed, recognize working together in team. We need all of those things working together. Character disqualifies right away if you don't have character. You've got to be called. How does that come? There's different things. There's a personal call. People recognize it from the body. There's a point at because apostles are placed to help recognize, identify people, and we work together in team, both as an eldership team, with deacons, with apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. Folks, this is a biggie, okay? Because it affects everything of church life. It does. So we're going to sink our teeth into it a bit. We're wetting the appetite today. And you've got to stick with us as we go through. We're going to keep teaching into these things. And folks, let me just say, again, I <clears throat> totally, totally understand. And it's a really sensitive one when we talk about men and women, okay? So... It's a big issue. And I understand that we understand that. We take that very seriously. So we're going to try to help 
Okay, especially into the new year. We've been working hard as elders and wives to work through this together, meeting with many of you that we're going to be able to continue to share more why we believe what we believe. Okay, But I ask for your patience and I ask for you to dig in to God's word yourself for us to be able to dialogue on some of these things if you disagree with some of these things. And as we talked about before, we're trying to figure out what are non-negotiables and what are open-handed, what are closed-fisted things and what are open-handed things, okay? And we're saying, closed-fisted, we believe in leadership, first of all, okay? It's not up for debate. You see it all the way through New Testament, okay? That's a starting point. We believe leadership is there to help, first of all, serve the church. So if we get into what do elders do, okay? They've got to be free to lead under God, but the primary thing we do is we actually serve. So it's not a nice title that we feel really proud of. Oh, I get to be an elder. I don't have it printed on the back of my shirt, okay? It's a very humbling thing to say God has called to lead and to serve. And how do we do that? Very helpful things. We think of a shepherd, pastor, all that. Is we help guard the flock. Okay, we guard the flock in doctrine. So what we believe from the Bible, how we even interpret the Bible, how we approach the Bible, that affects everything. Okay? If you were impacted this morning during worship, you might not make the connection, but everything we're talking about here affects this morning. So sometimes we make a disconnect. It affects this morning. And they're all tied together. So we guard the flock in doctrine. We guard the flock in practice. Okay? So there's doctrine, theology, everything. And boy, for all of history, there's a lot of crazy teaching going on that we have to remain true to what God says. And we have to put it into practice. Okay? It's one thing to have the theological debate. And that's where we have to land somewhere on some of these difficult topics. Some Christians interpret it this way. Some Christians interpret it that way. At some point, you've got to land and say, this is how I'm living it out. Okay? When I became a parent, I read tons of books on disciplining kids and child-rearing philosophies. And man, I'm like, man, if I could just take time out for 20 years, go through it all, come up with the perfect thing, and then I'll hit play again. I'll come back to raising my kids. Wouldn't that be fabulous? It doesn't work that way. At some point, you can debate these things for years and years and years. At some point, you've got to say, this is where we're landing. After much blood, sweat, and tears of praying, seeking God, all that. This is where we land. So people can understand, this is what we're about. And then you are free to say, I understand. And I can say yes, or I can say no. And that's freeing for you as well. We guard the flock doctrine, in practice, in all the different things. Church discipline, okay, we're helping people, we're dealing with sin issues, we're dealing with the integrity of Christ's name, we're dealing with the integrity of Christ's church, we're a grace-filled church, we want to forgive, we want people to be restored, but we need people to repent, we need people to make restitution, where, as Paul says, you know, if you've stolen something, well, you've got to give something back. All those things are working together, mainly behind the scenes, but it's all going on all the time. We're shepherding, pastoring, eldering, overseeing the church. We're guiding the church in mission, in vision, in strategy, all those things working together. And again, it's in partnership. Okay? A lot of what we do in church life comes out of your prophetic words in a prayer meeting. 
men and women. Most of what we do in church life, you're all involved. Okay? So the elders don't do everything. They oversee and equip and empower you guys to be doing the work. And very rarely, there are some things that only elders can do. And most of you, both men and women, will be thankful that you don't have to do them. That's how God set up. Remember, it's his church. Okay? And we're to govern the church. Okay? In every way. I've already mentioned some of them. Okay? When it comes to things on direction, when it comes to things on doctrine, when it comes to things on leading a meeting. Hopefully, as you saw this morning, we're in this together. It's not a dictatorial thing. It's in this. We're in this together. We're trying to hear from God together. We need to hear from you. We need your participation. We need to equip you, and in this together, okay, this calling as elders doesn't make us more special or anything else. Okay, we're in this together. But God set it up that leaders under God lead the church, and it brings safety and security. And if the leaders go wonky, there's okay, different things in place that the elders can't run everything, steal all the money, and get away with it all. Okay, there's lots of safeguards in place. We work with others like Don and Jeremy. We have good, okay financial systems, all those things are working together to be accountable, to be transparent, but to be free to lead under God. So we can hear from God and we can make decisions that don't require a year of voting and discussing it with X number of committees. Okay? We say no, we heard from God, we educate people, we help pastor people through, we can help people understand why we're doing what we're doing, but at the end of the day, someone has to make decisions big decisions, and with humility and with prayer and with fasting and together, this is what we feel God's saying for us to do. That's how it works. Okay? Now the big second thing, and I'll just say this briefly, we'll have to come back to it, is this one about apostles. When they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church and the apostles and elders and declared all that God had done with them. So historically, apostles, we have this. Jesus is the great apostle. Okay? So Hebrews 3 so that Jesus is the master builder. He's the great apostle. We have the 12 who were with Jesus, and uh, Matthias replaced uh, Judas afterwards. They physically saw Jesus. They were with Jesus. They're a special. They were called apostles, the 12 disciples. But then we get into the New Testament, okay? and we find guys like Barnabas and Paul, who weren't with the original 12. They're called apostles. And there's probably about 18, I think 16 others that are listed in the New Testament as apostles. And then Paul writes in Corinthians about all these other apostles that he doesn't even name. So here's the thing. Most people think apostles were the 12. And when they died, apostles were over. Some people believe the apostles were the ones who wrote scripture. And when they died, we have scripture now. We have the canon of scripture. We don't need apostles anymore. So that's where a lot of people, and that's why we... From my background, I never even heard the word apostle. Okay. Evangelist was Billy Graham. Teachers taught in the school system. Pastors led the church. And I never heard about prophets or apostles. That's my, that's my background. Until you, you begin to realize, hey, wait a minute. This is what it says in Ephesians 4. Paul writes this. He says, it was he, he's speaking of Jesus, who gave some to be apostles some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers, to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up so we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. 
So the question I ask myself is this. Has God's people been completely built up and prepared and unified and mature? I'm in it, so the answer is no, okay? (laughs) Remove me, you might be able to say, hey, yeah, we are, but I'm in it, so I know it's not completely unified, it's not completely mature, it's not completely equipped, built up. So therefore, guess what? We need all of these things today. We need apostles, we need prophets, we need evangelists, we need pastors and teachers. We need to take a look at the apostles' role and function. Paul and Barnabas are one type of apostle. They were sent out from Antioch. They went around to all these places. They preached the word of God. Disciples, they made disciples. They went around and then they came back and they appointed elders and they established local churches. Okay, apostles do this. They lay foundations. They lay who we are in Christ. Okay? We've got Don here and he wouldn't call himself an apostle, but he's, we would say he's working an apostolic role to us. And if you hang around Don long enough, as he demonstrated this morning, guess what he does? He hammers away foundations. He's like, hey, hey, wait a minute. Did you hear that? (laughs) You didn't realize you sounded like that, did you, Don? (laughs) And he's always hammering home who we are in Christ. Remember who you are. Remember what Jesus has done for you. This is who you are. Come on, don't just say it. Are you believing it? And he's hammering away foundations, foundations, foundations into us personally, but into us as a church as well. We need apostles to help set foundations, especially in churches that are just getting started, that focus on key doctrine, scripture, what Jesus has done for us, who Jesus is, who we are in Christ, what our identity is as a body, what our purpose and plans are, all those different things. Foundational, foundational, foundational. And that goes on. Apostles help build. They're like architects. Here's the blueprint. Okay? So Don's a good example again. We've asked him to come. Three months. Okay? We need you here. Three months. It's like taking an audit of our church life. We want you to go to everything. Life groups, everything. Okay? And us as elders don't go around and tape record every conversation Don has with people. Okay? You're allowed to freely speak to him and say, hey, we're struggling in this area. What about this? Okay? You're able to do that because we need to go on building healthy church. And we need to hear from you. So you're able to say, you know what? What about this? What about that? How come we're not doing this? How come we're doing this? I don't understand this. Folks, we're in this together. We can talk. We can dialogue. We can search scripture. We can pray together. We can agree to disagree over some things. We need apostles appoint. This is a big thing that's missing in North American church. In relationship, as apostles come, and sometimes it's like Paul and Barnabas. They're the ones who start at the church. Other times we're a bit of an adoption, so it takes longer to have apostles come and work with us to be able to identify people and to see calling in people and to appoint people. But there's a teamwork that comes together that's more than a vote. Now, I mean, things work together, obviously. So we're always consulting the body. We're always saying, hey, what do you think about this? We're always talking and communicating with people. But there's a key thing. Apostles have this gift of being able to see and identify that we need in church life. They father. Okay? There's a relational part to it. It's not just, you know, that's why I don't want to use the term, we can bring Don in as a, as a consultant for three months. That's part of sort of a function, but it's more than that. It's relational. It's like a father coming. Okay? Paul wrote that way. Sometimes he said, you know, I came as father. Sometimes he says, I came like, you know, a mother 
amongst you. His heart was there. As you read the epistles, you understand he knew people by name. The church knew him. The leaders knew him. Vice versa. And that takes time. But it's a really important aspect. To correct as well. I mean, Paul did a lot of correcting. Just read his letter to the Corinthians, okay? A lot of correcting going on. And about everything. He was correcting stuff about marriage. He was correcting stuff about legal things. He was, he was in the nitty-gritty. Okay? They're known, as I said, and they work together in teams. So Paul was able to send to Timothy. He's able to send to Titus. He said to Titus, you know, you go and appoint elders in those, these regions, all that, working together as teams, bringing in a prophet, bringing in an evangelist, bringing in a pastor and teacher. And we've benefited from that even amongst ourselves as we've had different people come in at different times to help us with what we need. Okay? And the church, you know, by the grace of God, okay, we're evidence here this morning of apostles helping to lead and build and speak into our church. Whether you know it or not, it's there. And as we look at moving on, we need to see this more and more as we're going to look at planting churches. We're asking God to raise up apostles amongst us. Okay? And again, little a, I'm not talking about, we're not writing scripture, we're not adding to scripture. Okay? Make sure I'm very clear. We're not doing those sorts of things. It's a function in a calling, in a gifting. Jesus gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to equip the body, to build it up, faith, maturity, wholeness, unity, all those things. We need apostles. We're asking God, God, would you raise up Canadian apostles from amongst our midst, along with prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, all those things. We need these people, these gifts from God, to help the church to be what it is. Part of a church, no mission, maintenance, radical people. I think some of those radical people who are doing parachurch and all that are probably apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, but they don't know the wineskin. They've never been taught or modeled. And we need to, folks, and we're sticking our neck out, okay? To be honest, we are. We're sticking our neck out to say, we're going to try, humbly, to reclaim and restore these terms and these names in our day and in our age. So we're not doing Apostle Charisma magazine. I'm Apostle Joe. We're doing this, okay? Ah. Okay? You guys would just laugh anyways, even if we tried to do that, okay? We're trying to say, God's given gifts whether it's me, Don, whatever, you can call us by our first name. That, that, that would be preferable. But God's given gifts to help build churches that are sound on the word of God, that are full of the Holy Spirit, that are equipping the body, that everyone has a part to play, that's bringing maturity and unity and life, that's preaching the gospel, that's seeing lost people saved, that's seeing signs and wonders return in a healthy way, that seeing that local churches are getting established, built up, and they are going to replicate. So that Paul could say, after he'd been in an area and he'd established four or five churches, I've covered all that region. How can he say that? He hasn't been to every town and village and everything. No, but he knows this. Because I have these churches established, they're going to reach out and they're going to cover this territory. And they're going to remain. And they're going to be sustainable. And they're going to go on. And it's not going to be a one-off thing. It's going to be something that will go on and on and replicate and be healthy. And God will raise up new people. 
That's what we're going for here. That's what we believe. So we read the Bible. That's what God's called us to do. We're just early days, okay? And we're always just trying to get our own house in order, get our own act together. But folks, this is early days of just trying to understand. And some of us were preaching before we're actually even really doing it a lot. But it's got to get into our mindset that we understand. As you read the book of Acts, and we're going to continue, when we say be radical, follow Jesus, turn your own life over, repent, turn to Jesus, part of following Jesus is this. It's being committed to a local church that belongs to Jesus. It's his church that he set up leadership. He set up eldership to guard, guide, and to govern. He set up apostles and prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to work together to bring equipping and maturity and unity. And if we're going to see Fredericton, we're going to see New Brunswick, the Maritimes, Atlantic, Canada, Canada, we're going to go to the nations. This is the blueprint. You want to understand what it's about? This is the blueprint that we're trying to follow. It takes sometimes, some of us, we're going to have to unlearn some things. The great thing is, I can recommend books for you to read, all that. We've got lots of resources. This is the biggest resource right here. Start at the book of Acts. Start again at chapter 1. Read through to 28 without trying to have many other glasses on. Just try to read it. And if you didn't know anything, how would you say churches are to go? That's the challenge. And then we can read the epistles afterwards to see how Paul and Peter and James and that wrote to the churches that they God used to establish them. Built on what Jesus said in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Which Jesus helps us to understand the Old Testament. And then we get the whole of the Bible that we're understanding and living out. I'm going to have to stop there. Our time's gone. Okay? Key points again. We follow Jesus. Somewhere in there, we have to be connected to a bigger following of following Jesus than just ourselves. So North America, independence, isolation, on our own, me and Jesus. Ah! can't get away from it in the Bible. That is not the way it's meant to be. It's Jesus' church. He's established it. We're trying to understand it. He's given the principles and promises that we're trying to, in our day and in our time, we're trying to understand it. Was that just for back then? So spiritual gifts, tongues, interpretation, all that. Was that just for back then? Or is that for today? Elders, Men only, all that. Was that just for back then? Or is that still for today? We've got to wrestle through. Apostles, was that just for back then? Or is that for today? That's the wrestling that we have to go through. And we've got to wrestle through it, folks. And it's hard. Okay? So Gary and Barb, Angela and I, Kevin Marilyn, last year, we took like nine, ten months. We met every second week just to go through, okay, men's and women's roles in leadership in the church. Okay? And we were all over the place. We were disagreeing with each other. We started all with different backgrounds and everything and trying to wrestle through. I just give that as one example. Okay? How do we interpret the Bible? How do we understand these things? How do we wrestle through? How do we disagree with each other but yet still love each other? How do we seek God in these things? And at the end of the day, somewhere, we've got to land somewhere because we keep moving forward. We haven't hit pause. Our apostles for today. Those are the things we're wrestling with that we feel like we've got some understanding that we've actually been practicing. And in the new year, we're going to help bring more explanation 
to these things that you understand more fully. You have more resources available for you to understand dialogue, work through these things. So folks, okay, again, I ask for your patience as we work through these things. I ask that you have an open mind to reading God's word. Seek God say, God, you know what? I disagree with everything Joe said this morning. Now, how do I, in love, dialogue and look at your word and help me to walk this through? And at the end of the day, what's a non-negotiable? Okay? And what's an open-handed thing that I can say, well, you know what? And I, but that's okay. That's what we have to do somehow in love. But you need to be clear. We need to be clear so that you can understand. Okay? My fear would be this. You're in the church for a couple of years and all of a sudden you think, I didn't know we believed this. That would not be serving you well. So we've got to be open and up front. We're sticking our necks out a bit because everything I just talked about this morning is not popular anywhere <laughs> in church life, certainly out of church life. So it takes a real understanding and that's why last week's message is so important. Okay? If I'm following Jesus, I'm in his kingdom. That's the, those are the set of glasses I need to have on, not what the world tells me. That's the foundation. So, all right. So let's stand. I just want to pray. I want to ask for God's help as we walk through this together. Okay. All right, let's pray. Father in heaven, I want to thank you again this morning for Jesus Christ. I thank you that he is our Savior. He's our Lord. I thank you that he's head over his church. And I want to thank you for saving us, for putting your spirit in us. God, I want to thank you for building us together as the local church here at the meeting place and then families of churches and with other churches in the city and in the nations. God, I want to thank you this morning, God, for a great worship time where we could love you and honor you. We get our eyes fixed on who you are and we say you're worthy of all of our praise. God, even if we don't understand a lot of these things, God, we know you're worthy and we worship you. God, we thank you, Lord, for spiritual gifts. God, we thank you for prophetic words. Lord, we thank you for scriptures being read out. We thank you for words of instruction, for exhortation. Lord, we thank you that we're strengthened and edified and encouraged because of this body being together with your spirit leading us this morning. And we ask now, Lord Jesus, would you continue to show us how you want to build your church that you said the gates of hell will not prevail against? Would you show us, Lord, things about leadership, would you show us about apostles, Lord, how these things work together? God, would you show us, Lord, how to love one another? God, would you show us, Lord, how to dialogue, Lord, and even disagree with each other, Lord, but walk these things out together? God, we say, Lord, at the end of the day, we want to follow you no matter what it looks like. We want to be obedient to you. Lord, no matter how countercultural, how weird it might look, Lord, to anyone else, Jesus, we want our eyes fixed on you, and we want to be courageous in following after you so that we glorify you. Jesus, would you come and build your church here at the meeting place? Lord, would you raise up apostles and evangelists and pastors and teachers and prophets that will equip, that will motivate, that will give blueprints and instruction and exhortation and help? Would you raise up more elders, God? Would you gift people? Would you call people, God, to follow hard after you? God, we want to plant other churches, Lord. We want other places that don't know about you to know about you, this good news. Would you help us in these things? God, I pray for those who are here this morning, God, who might not know Jesus. I pray they would be caught up in seeking you. God, I pray that they would meet with you. God, I pray you whet their appetite here this morning. 
to press hard and to read your word and to find you, Lord, as you're drawing them to yourself. Father, would you help us in all these things? God, we pray that you be glorified in them all. We ask in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.